All right, first up today, we're going to talk about YouTube's new at handle feature. Why are they doing this? Are they going to create a community? Are they going to go straight up uh, and compete against Twitter? I think so. And then we'll talk about TikTok and Facebook letting some ads with misinformation in them for political reasons to actually get placed on the site. And then a little solo dolo back and forth. Molly and I had busy schedules. So I am going to talk solo about OpenAI reportedly raising more money from Microsoft. And then Molly goes on the solo dolo uh, to talk about Snap stock being down 30% after another disappointing earnings report. And that be real, the surging social network. Uh, has raised a $60 million Series B at around $600 million. And uh, they have about 20 million monthly active users, I believe. So that's pretty, pretty uh, good valuation for them. And since it's Friday, it's time for OK Boomer with producer Rachel. It's going to be a great show. So stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by... Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Your first app is free forever, and right now, Odoo is offering $1,000 off your first implementation pack at odoo.com slash twist. That's O-D-O-O dot slash twist. Trip Actions was built to help businesses scale without travel and expenses being a pain point. It's the only all-in-one travel, corporate card, and expense management solution. Go to tripactions.com slash twist to sign up for free and get a $500 Amazon gift card after making your first travel booking or paying off your first $1,000 of liquid spend. And open phone. As a startup founder, a lot of mistakes are easy to roll back, but using your personal cell phone number as your company number isn't one of them. Open Phone makes it easy to get business phone numbers for you and your team right on top of your existing devices. Visit openphone.com slash twist to get 20% off your first six months. We know this was coming because mm-hmm. we had some inside information. Uh, YouTube, Molly, this is really cool, is going to have handles. Now, what is a handle? It just means at Jason, like I have on Twitter. Right. Uh, or Instagram. So when you're in the comment field, in the comment space, you'll be able to at mention somebody. So you'll be able to say at Mr. Beast in a comment on the This Week in Startups channel or at Lex Friedman or et cetera, et cetera. And I guess the person will get a notification. And what I think this means, Molly, um, is that you will have a feed that will not only include shorts or videos, and I don't have inside mm-hmm. information on this part of it, but I would think that there'll be, you know, a youtube.com slash at twist or something, uh, and you'll see our page. And um, but then your feed might include people's videos. Does that make sense, Molly? Like, um, it would become y- your YouTube feed could become feel more like a, a, a hybrid of Twitter slash TikTok slash YouTube is I think uh, what they have planned. Okay, see, that would actually make sense. Because I will confess to having uh, the immediate reaction upon reading this news of like, okay, wait, they didn't have that. And no. If they're rolling them out as a specific product and a specific launch, then there must be some larger goal other than because like everybody has a YouTube username. Right. You know, this isn't that. That's, this is for this your is channel. Not that. This is this for is your associated channel. with a channel. You have to have a channel to have an at name. Yeah. And I think that'll be the first year of this. Who knows if like civilians will get their at handles as well after that. I, I'm guessing they will. But this is for creators. Because I remember when I was like, hey, let's yeah. all jump into the comments. You were like. Uh, comments on youtube and it was i was like i think it's gotten better and i think it has but you know it's a little bit of the wild west it's in gotten there, better so. than it was let me tell you well, i mean they're not like yeah Ooh. saying die calacanis die mm-hmm. uh, yeah but you know people can be pretty brutal in there uh like any other communities but the tools are there now to make it a little nicer so i, I really like this because i want to invest more in the twitter i'm sorry the youtube community mm-hmm. and steer it towards that would be great just a note for the youtube youtube creator uh, the youtube product folks and nick producer nick i don't know if this exists the ability to deputize like the five or ten people we have as um noti gang members who are mods i would like them to be able to moderate the comments so if they're in the comments and somebody's spamming or somebody's you know saying something unkind would be my rule everybody on our team has the ability to mod our comments only for chat you can have mods yeah so that's that's the next piece i need to really invest in it but i would like yeah. to invest in it because we tried slack we tried discord we have a twitter community but it would be much better to have the community on youtube in my mind 
It does make me wonder if this is not an opening toward more of a Discord-like product or a Slack product or a persistent chat that could exist outside of just comments, which would actually be awesome. I mean, it's never, I don't know why it has not occurred to me until now that YouTube, particularly with this creator network, is in a place to really kind of just flip on a social social network. network. Yeah. Like they, you know, I mean, Google, there was Google Plus, like it's probably, probably the only reason they haven't so far is that they've been tied up in the Google ecosystem and it's like prevented some, you know, overlap or product development. But man, if they could turn on a persistent chat room like Discord, they could put, they could just finish off Discord with persistent chat. You know, most, that's not attached to most a people on, video. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right, Molly. On, uh, most people on Reddit create discords. Most people on YouTube who get popular create a discord. So yep. why not have the Discord inside of Reddit and have the Discord inside of, you know, for the modality of of persistent chat, as you're saying, persistent chat, chat, obviously distinctly different than a chat room that pops up with a live video or for, you know, this would be right. like for the a channels persistent chat. So how great would it be if we could all be just chatting about the founder university channel or the this week in startups channel. This like, would be that delightful. would be amazing, amazing. And then you because then you don't have out. to go through comments yeah. on a specific video exactly. Like you would just have this like home. Yes. <gasps> yeah, it'd be great. I'm just going to assume that handles is part one of that. And bravo. And also the other great thing about this for people is that you just get a nice clean, much like you have on Twitter or LinkedIn, just a nice clean URL. YouTube.com nice slash URL at startups Jason, yeah. or at startups or yeah. At Jason, yeah. So I think uh, we creators, have creators. Is this what yeah. we actually have at startups? Oh my God, it's us. Maybe, maybe YouTube.com slash oh, at startups. It's already set up. Is that already up. us? Yeah. Oh, is it already? Oh, it's already turned on. Yeah. So we, uh, we, I guess we, we, we're, we're a major channel there. I guess we have 200,000 subscribers. So we, we picked at startups. So if you go to youtube.com at startups, that's us. Yeah. Dude. So fantastic. Good and so, handle. You know, good handle. Uh, us. Be okay. Be okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you if you really support your um, when you support your early content creators like this, and you do something nice for them, like uh, getting in their handles early, making sure they have a good one, it will increase usage. So it's the right That's way to huge. do it. And yeah. I think we also have uh, youtube.com slash at all in. So it's just another way to get to the all in podcast without typing slash channel slash this, you know, yada, yada. Man, um, so I mean, people already spend YouTube so much team. time. I wonder what the yeah. time spent on YouTube is, but if this increased it Crazy. with more, you know, ability to interact and build community, woo, good move, good move. Yeah, I think you'll also be able to search by this, uh, from what I understand. So, you know, if you wind up being at Molly Wood, somebody could search YouTube for at Molly Wood and then see your comments on other videos. Uh, you know, and I think that's something that's been lacking. So, what I've wanted to do when I see somebody place an unkind comment on our videos, yeah. I would love to click on their handle and see all their activity across the site, as should be my right, you know, when you're on Twitter, or you're on Reddit, the handle follows you from subreddit to subreddit, or on Twitter, it follows you from thread to thread. The reason that's important, Molly, obviously, to you and just for the audience is uh, the person can then own their words, right? And if they own their words across the site, if somebody's misbehaving in one subreddit, but they're delightful in the other nine, you can be like, hey, dude, what's going on? Mm-hmm. It's always a dude, by the way. Uh, 99 times out of 100 mm-hmm. some dude who's you know brigadooning uh as uh no lie detected um brigadooning is my favorite by the way well, we just, ca- just it came up on the all-in pod 101 it did and now that's what you're <laughs> we, calling we, it brigadooning termed, yeah the, the when you get brigaded <laughs> we call it preview for people because uh, this week's service will come out before all-in 101 <laughs> but we're calling funny. it brigadooning because <laughs> sax you know is getting brigadooned <laughs> So mm-hmm. the brigadooning was, you know, a lot for him. So he took the, the mental health week. Um, <laughs> he, he did he had a vacation pre-release scheduled. Good on both. Good on both counts. I like brigadooning. Are you sick and tired of huge SaaS bills? I know I am. And switching between 10 different platforms every day, it's chaos. SaaS churn is real. And you need to check out Odoo to reduce SaaS burnout. Odoo is a suite of business apps. That's basically the only software you're ever going to need. And it's a great way to cut costs and be more productive. And listen, we all know it's a crazy market out there. You want to extend that runway because, hey, listen, it's a down market right now and you're going to have to survive. That means you're going to have to make every dollar count. So you need to check out Odoo. All of your SaaS apps will run on one platform with Odoo. So you have one customer support rep, not 10. 
and they have 40 main apps and 16,000 apps from their open source community. You know, important stuff, sales, marketing automation, HR, website builders, and so, so much more. And Odoo will only charge you for the apps you use, so you get more done in less time, and you're going to save a ton of money. Here's the best part. Your first app is free forever, and Odoo is offering a $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. That's odoo.com slash twist for $1,000 off odoo.com slash twist. It really in related news, mm. social media, it should YouTube decide to become a full fledged social network, they will probably regret it. And maybe society will too. I don't really know. There's a, no, there's news today. Um, no, they will. And they definitely should. It's an absolutely great story. Yeah. Uh, or great move rather great product move in the direction of taking down discord. Um, there was an interesting piece on CNN today uh, about how, <laughs> according to the human rights watchdog, global witness and cybersecurity for democracy team, okay. they attempted to submit, they t- submitted 20 ads with abjectly fake claims about elections. Oh, no. False information. Hold on. About- I got it. Wait, hold on. 20 ads. Yep. 20 the punchline ads. is how many got through? Exactly. I'm going to guess. Hold on. Let me guess here. This is to Facebook. I take it. This was TikTok and Facebook. Both. Okay. I'm and YouTube. Say, and YouTube. All right. I'm going to guess that uh, close to 100% of them got through Facebook because they don't care. I'm going to say 15 or so got through YouTube. Like two out of three got through YouTube and TikTok. I don't know the numbers. I'm just guessing. Um, TikTok did worse, worse. actually. Huh. TikTok approved 90% of the ads. Okay. 18. Okay. Facebook approved a, quote, significant number. Okay. YouTube was able to detect and reject every test submission and suspend the channel used to post them. Fantastic. So what this tells you is if you want to do this, you can. Because there's no difference between the tech teams at these three companies. They're, They're all the elite of the elite. So this is then a matter of intent. And TikTok don't care because it's run by the CCP. They don't care if there's chaos here. In fact, they probably prefer it. And then Facebook are marauding capitalists who have ignored this forever. And Zuckerberg, I don't believe, really cares all that much. He cares if it costs him acquisitions, like the Giphy acquisition. I I guess he's not going to be able to buy Giphy. I think he's arguably as bad an actor as TikTok. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I would put him up with I would put Zuck with the CCP. Sure. He does not. (laughs) He does. He has demonstrably. He he demonstrably does not care about the future of America. He demonstrably. He does not. You know, he isn't. There is not any. Despite all his talk about China, there's no universe in which this guy is like pro USA. Well, I mean, to be clear, he learned Chinese, went to China and begged to put Facebook in there, knowing Mm. that they would use Facebook to round up uh, every dissident there uh, and torture them. He knows that. He knows full well. Yeah. The government told him Yahoo, the history of Yahoo in China. Everybody knows if you go into China and you are a data service, this is slightly different than making an iPhone there. When the Mm -hmm. iPhones come back to the US, you're not going to have a problem. But putting aside hardware and Amazon basic cables, yeah. If you actually run a data service there, they will tell you like they did Yahoo. Hey, we need these five people's accounts, their locations, because and you don't need to know why, but you know why they're going to a re-education camp to be tortured, raped, murdered yep. until they confess that, you know, they are humbly uh, accepting their mistakes for thinking differently than the CCP. And yeah. Zuckerberg actively wanted to embrace that possibility right. that tells you everything you need to know about at the a time when google was pulling out of china other companies were yes. leaving over these exact same things exactly yes he ran and he ran to it while everybody was running away from it the yep. end and despite despite reams terabytes of empirical data showing right. the damage that this stuff does and by the way the mm. results of this test show you mm. quite clearly that it can be done of the course fact that YouTube done. detected all of it, stopped it, and suspended every one of these counts puts the lie to everything that Zuckerberg and, frankly, Sheryl Sandberg have said, even up, up to and including in front of Congress, for like a decade. It can be done, and they are still not doing it. Yeah. It's pretty astonishing. I'm a little surprised that, that TikTok fared so poorly only because they are trying to have a better, like, PR campaign, right? Like, if you were trying to stay in the United States and not get banned, you'd think you would have tried harder at, like, that one thing. I think the ban is coming. I think it's just a matter of the people who have big stakes in it, clearing their positions. From what I understand, there is a buyback going on. 
and uh, shareholders who are US shareholders are getting a lot of money back with this share buyback, mm-hmm. which to me, this is what I heard, I don't know if it's true. But I think that's a prelude to this either the Americans getting their money out or the Chinese getting control over it and maybe it not being in the US for much longer. Um, TikTok's parent company ByteDance plan to use TikTok to monitor the physical locations of Americans, uh, something I said they would obviously do and I predicted that they were already doing it. Well, uh, you know, our friends over at Forbes, which I think has a new owner. <laughs> uh, can somebody look that up for me? Uh, they said that they had knowledge of this, they got some documents um, that uh, people at TikTok, I don't know if you saw that story, but Quote, I did. A China-based yeah. team yeah. at TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, plan to mm-hmm. use the TikTok app to monitor the personal location of some specific American citizens, according to materials reviewed by Forbes. So, <laughs> as I said on Twitter, you don't yeah. need to have a smoking gun to know that this is too high of a risk factor to in any way do this. Yeah. The company priced the buyback at US $155 per unit for current staff, up from US $142 at an April repurchase. Yeah. Thanks, new guy. Thanks, new new producer Brian. Oh, producer Brian's awesome. Yeah, producer Brian. So yeah, okay. So it is public that this uh, buyback because I've been hearing about this buyback. I guess so. Yeah, it was April, but I've been hearing about this for a year, maybe that th- this was part of the uh, process. And then I was talking to somebody, an insider at TikTok. I'll just say that you can make your best guess at it. Was telling me that the entire company is controlled in China, and mm-hmm. that the Americans have no say. Uh, in anything going on over there. This is somebody mm. inside of TikTok told me this in the past. All right. I'm so. open. I'm open to being convinced. As long as you and, take Zuckerberg uh, down with you. This is somebody <laughs> I know across three or four companies. As long as you also just drag Facebook kicking and screaming out of the American <laughs> market, I'm fine with it. Like, how about, can I get a twofer? Can I get yeah, a twofer I mean, one? I'll, I'll tell you this. It's like 1A, 1B. Like, can I get a ban one, get one free? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, I think we're now getting into the age of accountability. I think in the second decade of this, people have had enough. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of like smoking um, or other. Yeah, vapes. actually, it's you remember vapes, you know, jewels and stuff yep. like that. Like, I think, it, you know, over time, our justice system, our society takes time to digest. Yes. But you know, Facebook owner meta is going to have to sell Giphy now the UK watchdog said, Hey, no bueno, you can't buy anything. Uh, mm. Lena Khan said they can't buy this like de minimis little VR company. So Zuckerberg is hitting the wall, right? Yep. Nobody wants Big to time. buy the shares and uh, the Giphy deal being blocked. So you can you can only there's just <laughs> did you see you this only, trending? You can only f around so long before you eventually find out. This is a meme, correct, Molly? Yeah, f around. It's a whiteboard out. meme. The more it's you a gonna five find second out. video that is just so illustrative. As you can see, the more you f- around, the more you're going to find. Tell your Starling story real quick, then I'm going to scamper, and uh, then you can do this a- open AI story as a solo, and then we'll have like a, a, a little kick solo back a, a little joint solo, solo like jam. Hand off. Uh, no, yeah. no, I just, I put this, we, we put the Starlink up yesterday. I started using it. Oh my God, it's wonderful in uh, the Bay Area. It works. And so. I was very impressed in the little mountain town when I used it in the Airbnb. Yeah, I mean. I think it's going to take a little time for the uplink to be perfect for HD, yeah. uh, but it's it's pretty darn close. And uh, what, what's great about this is I'm setting up, you know, because I lose the town I'm in, we, we seem to lose a power all the time now. And we lose power, we default lose electricity. So yeah. I'm going to be, I'm building so power fun. redundancy and internet redundancy, which is a little bit of a luxury, but I, I don't have the ability to not you be on air seven yeah. days a week. And so. Exactly. All right. Um, well, uh, nice right. seeing you at the uh, management offsite. That was Hate fun. Nice that dinner. was so fun. Yeah. yeah good Thanks times. for that nice dinner. Oh, it was a good time. Uh, shout out to our friend Tyler Florence, who's a big fan of the pod. If yeah. you uh, are in the Bay Area, your first stop is Miller and Lux. It is. If you like a good steak and maybe some ta-ta, seafood, Caesar salad, money, Dover sole. Just go to one dinner. You go to one the whole there. week and yeah. make it that one. It's worth also, it. coming to Hawaii, he's opening one and he's opening one in Aspen. So Miller and Lux is gonna, yeah, Miller and Lux is gonna take the country by storm. Thanks, Tyler, Agreed. for hosting right. us. Take care. All right, bye, Molly. All right, whether you're a boss or an employee, business travel has always been so annoying. Uh, you know, you get your tickets. Oh, who should get the miles? Me, the company, the credit card. 
Uh, who's going to do all these receipts? Which card should I use? It just goes on and on. What am I allowed to spend on? Well, now you can make everything easy. You can get your teams out on the road to close deals, to do new hires. The expectations have changed again. Uh, and people want to see you face to face is back, baby. And so you should use trip actions. They have built a way for businesses to save tons of time and money when doing business travel. It's really that simple, folks. They have a single platform solution. And it manages the booking, the itineraries, corporate cards and expenses, all of this becomes easy, peasy, lemon squeezy, plus you're going to get 2% cash back on every purchase. Trip actions mobile app makes all this so easy for you. You get travel support when people are on the road. All the changes are easy to do. It, it's everything you want in a business solution for travel. We use it ourselves. So trust me, you're going to need trip actions for your business travel. I have a special offer just for startups because trip actions wants to support startups and grow with them. Visit tripactions.com slash twist to sign up for free. And you will receive a $500 Amazon gift card after making your first business travel booking or paying off your first $1,000 of liquid spend to learn more about this fantastic special offer just for this week in startups listeners tripactions.com slash twist tripactions.com slash twist all right uh there's some breaking news about open ai this was a nonprofit. Uh, i remember elon had backed and uh sam maltman had gotten involved then they flipped over to a for-profit which i think was a brilliant idea because money and uh it seemed like they could make a lot of money by making this a for-profit i don't know if the nonprofit still exists or not but Microsoft had invested in OpenAI in 2019 at a billion dollar valuation. They raised at somewhere around a $20 billion valuation two years later. So they literally went up 20x in 24 months or so. A <laughs> billion dollars or so in increase in valuation during that time period, according to the information. Uh, Sequoia, A16Z, and Tiger Global. You know they have GPT-3, the writing tool that a lot of people are building off of, and they did Dolly, of course. Dolly and GPT-3, I think, are going to be commodified. There's now other open source projects that are doing the same thing. So we saw that uh, the Stable Diffusion-based company um, raised at $100 million at a billion-dollar valuation. And it's, I think, important to note that I don't believe that these companies have revenue yet. I, I don't know OpenAI if they're charging people for these tools exactly, or I'm sure they will at some point and it's unclear what the business model will be but there's a business model in there somewhere i've looked at a lot of startups that are built on gpt3 so if you imagine you want to write a poetry startup uh, if you wanted to do one on copywriting uh, these are all starting to emerge where if you want to write copy for your new sports beverage the copywriter instead of just starting from nowhere would say hey i want to write something inspirational for teenagers i want to write something inspirational for women who are moms in Japan uh, to buy this drink to share the sports drink with their kids when they're all going on runs together. And literally the the software and just in that very narrow AI sense would be able to write that copy or somebody could say, Hey, make me an illustration for this story. And you know, when you look at the illustrations in the New York Times, and you look at a dolly, I, I'm not, I'm not saying this to diminish the great artists who write, who make beautiful illustrations for magazines and newspapers. But I think the public would look at a Dolly 2, uh, maybe with a little bit of polish on it, no differently, <laughs> like zero difference at this point with the stable diffusion or a Dolly illustration, than illustrators at those popular publications. Now that doesn't mean that those illustrators won't become augmented and use these tools and then come up with something even better. But I do think the same way telephone operators went away, I think copywriters and uh, graphic designers are going to have a different role in society. You might have elite copywriters and you might have elite designers, but this mid-market or the low-end market for this type of work is going to go away. Or it's going to be done by things like Canva plus Dolly 2. So you can imagine if Canva puts AI in it, you'd say, hey, Canva, I want to do an invite for my you know eight-year-old's birthday party and I want it to be a Star Wars theme. And uh, you'd say, no, not classic Star Wars. I want to do Clone Wars and I want to do animation, but I want it to be Ashoka based and not, you know, based on Anakin. <laughs> I want to include some Wookiees and, you know, it just make you the invite. Uh, and you didn't have to hire a designer or a party planner to do that. You could just come up with a theme yourself and just talk to your software. And with what's happened in AI and obviously with speech recognition, we're here, folks.
there's going to be a new round apparently for OpenAI as well. And we don't know when that's going to happen in terms of OpenAI's revenue, a person with direct knowledge of OpenAI's finances implied the company was on track to generate revenue in the low 10s of millions of dollars this year. So there is some revenue for OpenAI happening. Let's just say instead of low 10s of millions, I will just pick a number here. Low 10s means either 10 20, it means 20 or 30. So we'll pick the higher of those two numbers, let's say 30, 30 million, 600 times revenue, six times 30 is 180 60 is uh, 1.8 billion and 600 would be about 18 billion. So yeah, if we were to do back of the envelope, 600 times revenue for open AI. Now if they were growing year over year 100x in revenue, I mean, maybe they went from three, maybe they went from 300,000 to 30 million. I don't know. Uh, but this valuation does not seem to match performance reality as much as potential. And sometimes that happens in what we do here in Silicon Valley. But you have to wonder what the investors at a $20 billion valuation are thinking in terms of what their return will be. Could they 2x or 3x from there? Well, uh, you know, if we were to look at public market comps, you know, 60 billion or 80 billion would be like Uber or Airbnb ish in terms of revenue. Congratulations to the team over there on a absolutely absurd valuation. And to the people who are investing, I hope that you get a two or three x but I mean, trees don't grow to the moon $20 billion valuation is what figma just got sold from and that is the most successful highest growing SaaS business or one of the highest growing uh, most successful SaaS businesses of all time. There is a cap on returns folks, uh, you do have to look at reality. So this is one of the things in Silicon Valley that sometimes gets out of uh, sync. And this really has nothing to do with open AI necessarily. But one of the weird things here is open AI says there's a cap on the return. So there's some strange clause they came up with. And this is the quote in an effort to prevent investors from driving the company to focus purely on the bottom line, open AI said it was capping the return on investment for its early investors to 100 times their capital the capital will be lower for later investors. So okay, let's pick the people who invested at 10 billion. 100 times for people who invested at 10 billion, uh, 10 times 10 billion is 100. So they're saying you can't this company hits a trillion, that's the cap of your returns. Uh, there are very few trillion dollar companies in the world. So that cap seems to make no logical sense. It's almost like you would say that as a marketing technique. You know, what I'm saying that would be like the cynical look at it like, Oh, I'm capping you at 100x like what investor doesn't want to get 100x. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Weird story. All right, next up, Molly is going to talk about Snapchat and be real. So stay tuned. All right, I'm just going to solo a little bit of news for us today because there is some wild markets news and Jason's off doing all in, you know, it's a double duty kind of day. Let's start with some, I can't say entirely surprising, but still a bit startling news from uh, the world of earnings today, tech earnings. Snap's stock is down 30% today after another disappointing earnings report. Snap, of course, has had a string of disappointing earnings reports, but just as a level set here, Snap is down about 90% over the past 52 weeks, 90 Nine zero, And again, it was down about 30% this morning. So let's dig into the reason for today's drop. This chart, by the way, I am just looking at another one of our Y charts on Snap's quarterly year over year growth, and it is absolutely brutal. Here's what they reported that caused this latest drop. Revenue was $1.1 billion in the quarter, up just 6% year over year. 6% year over year growth is the slowest growth that Snapchat has had in its entire time as a public company. It's still growing, but obviously it's basically flat at this point. There is this chart, if we want to pull that up, of Snap's year-over-year revenue growth on a quarterly basis. It is not pretty. The chart is not yet updated with Snap's newest numbers, so you'll see 13%, but that was actually last quarter's year-over-year revenue growth, so the growth is really slowing that trend line, just continuing to go down. Let's talk about why that year-over-year -year revenue growth number matters so much. It's because Snap's market cap, unlike some other companies, is completely correlated, has traded basically in lockstep with its year-over-year -year revenue growth over the past five years or so. So we made another chart 
where you can see SNAP's market cap in yellow and its quarterly year-over-year revenue growth in black. And again, these are almost identical trend lines. They're, this is one of the very few cases where uh, investors are saying, we have no faith, right? There's no sort of divergence in price-to-earnings ratio. There's no divergence from reality when it comes to SNAP. Whatever its revenue growth is, that's where investors follow it. So if you see a big increase in revenue growth, you can expect the market cap to follow suit and unfortunately, vice versa. But here's what we want to note, because this is also, of course, taking down the rest of the social media market, or at least it was when these earnings first came out. Inflation and the kind of general market downturn and the thing we've seen where lots of stocks are losing a lot of value as we come out of this sort of COVID period, those are not the only things impacting Snap. Oh, no, many, many headwinds for this company. In a prior earnings report, Snap noted that Apple's app tracking transparency features were a huge problem for its business. This is, of course, the thing that also wiped about $25 billion off the combined market caps of Google and Facebook. And you could imagine that Snap didn't have as big a cushion as those two companies. These new privacy features make it harder for platforms to target users as accurately as they were before. That means digital ads are less effective, which means advertisers pay less because they're not as effective which means revenue goes down, which means revenue growth goes down. And all of these things lead to Snap's market cap dropping. I want to reiterate 90% over the past 52 weeks. It's a pretty brutal time for Snap. And I think a lot of us have been wondering what the future holds for this company, whether someone else might come in and buy Snap. It really has been the little social media engine that could just kind of keep chugging along for a while but it's getting pretty rough. Here's a few more numbers from those Q3 earnings. Q3 cash and short-term securities total about $4.4 billion. So the cash situation is not a disaster. Q3 net loss was about $360 million though. That's a five times larger loss year over year. Snap's stock-based compensation in Q3 was $343 million. That actually represents a majority of that net loss. So just to be clear, that was mostly a compensation issue. But Q3 free cash flow was only about $18 million. That's actually about break even on a free cash flow basis, which is not terrible. I mean, these numbers are not a disaster, right? This is a, a network that is growing, even if it's growing incredibly slowly. It's just that investors have no patience for it. Snap is in the middle of a bit of a turnaround. So they said they would cut 20% of staff last month as part of a major restructuring. So we're hoping for their sake, that it could be a little more profitable toward the middle of next year with just about you know 20% less overhead. The company also noted that it was focusing on expanding its revenue growth and has been investing heavily in AR with tools like custom landmarks for House of the Dragon, Snapchat uh, times Vogue World in New York and adding lenses to LA Rams arena screens in 4K in real time. You know, Snap's been dabbling with this kind of camera strategy for a long time. And so maybe that is going to be its differentiator since it does seem like kids are not using it to share pictures and chat with their friends. On that note, though, a thing that kids are using, Be Real. We have been so early on the Be Real train, literally as users, me and producer Rachel and Presh. Um, but also, I feel like we got here just at the right time in terms of covering this app. And in fact, the popular photo sharing app, Be Real. If you're new here, Be Real, of course, is the app that gives you a pop-up once a day and tells you to take a picture at exactly that moment, a front-facing and a back-facing camera photo, and has no other features than that for the most part, nor does it have an obvious monetization strategy. And yet, we're all kind of obsessed with it. And now, it's raised a $60 million Series B at a $600 million valuation. Sources familiar with the deal have stated that Yuri Milner's DST Global will lead the round. This is a 4x jump in valuation since its last $30 million Series A, which was led by A16Z and Excel. That was back in June of 2021. It's a French app. It's been around since late 2019, but it just hit. Like sometimes things do. It got this kind of mass adoption by Gen Z and some old folks like me. <laughs> I have some, I have some like Gen X friends on there. 
Um, sources say it has been downloaded 53 million times. It boasts as many as 20 million daily active users. So it's had two and a half times growth since July of 2022. Again, though, Be Real has yet to generate any revenue that we know of. The Financial Times has reported that they've considered a subscription-based model. I guess we could imagine a situation where they could put an ad in here and here and there. And, and I think we had some clever kind of sponsorship discussions. Like you could imagine them doing something around an event. Actually, a friend of mine suggested this. Like if you were all at the same event, let's say it was the Super Bowl or a Warriors finals game, they could potentially do a sponsored pop-up for just that event. And then everybody's be real would be from that same thing. Although in my experience using the app, that means it would almost certainly crash and nobody's photos would upload for like an hour. But you know, whatever. They're on Series B now. I'm sure they're going to use some of that money to fix it. There has been, of course, uh, no statement yet as to how that influx of cash will be allocated. But I have to imagine that a little bit of server capacity <laughs> is going to be included in that spin. Anyway, congratulations to Be Real. It it still is kind of a mystery what makes one thing take off and another thing not take off. I mean, if we go back to those Snap earnings, you can think about a time when Snap was just that's what everybody was using. They were all using Snapchat. They were all posting there. It is worth, I think, noting how quickly the winds can change for a social app. So a $600 million valuation for Be Real, which doesn't currently generate any revenue and could, I mean, we're already having conversations about gas, you know, an all new app that does an all new cool thing. I feel like if Jason were here, he would say we might not have made that investment, but I personally am excited to see Be Real do better. Good luck to you guys. All right, everybody on the phone today is Open Phones founder Darina Kulia. Welcome to the program, Darina. Thanks, Jason. Great to be here. Now, what mistakes do most founders make with phone numbers in their startups? Great question. First one is they use their personal phone number for their business. And it's an easy mistake to make because you don't necessarily think about it much. You know, you incorporate your company, you put your phone number, there's all these forms you fill out. It very quickly goes from being your personal number to being the number for the company. And when that happens, there are all these data aggregators and all kinds of services that take your number and put it everywhere. Yeah. Suddenly now there is this uptick in spam text messages. It's the worst. Yeah. And people just wonder like, how are others getting my number? Well, let me tell you, you put it in different places and it kind of uh, snowballed from there. So that's the first mistake. Yes. The second, which is initially as a founder, you're the salesperson. You're the only sales, sales rep. And then you hire a first sales rep. And sometimes founders let that person use their personal oh. phone number. Oh no. That number, the data, everything that happens is just fully belongs to the sales rep. And if that person leaves- You lose the entire history with your customers. Yeah. And then what if that sales executive goes to a competitor? Exactly, yep. Okay, everybody, Twist listeners can get 20% off any plan for their first six months at Open Phone. Just go to openphone.com slash twist. If you got an existing number, they'll put it right over for free. Head to openphone.com slash twist today for 20% off. Okay, Boomer. I understood the assignment. All right, so thank you guys for joining me on another segment of Okay, Boomer. For those of you who are not watching over on YouTube, we have two reoccurring guests this week. We have Jules Turpak and Danny Miranda, both of who have, you know, been on the podcast in content creation space for a bit. And I wanted to have you guys back on. Like I said before I started pressing record, I basically don't even have notes for this because this isn't really an interview. I've already done interviews with you guys. I just want to hear your thoughts on podcast AI. Mm -hmm. Recently, we saw this podcast come out. Um, on a platform called podcast.ai, really interesting, where Joe Rogan was interviewing um, Steve Jobs. And it didn't sound like super great. Like, obviously, like it wasn't perfect, but it was still pretty cool. And right when I saw that on Twitter, I immediately had to send it to you guys. And I was like, you know what? I want to hear, hear your thoughts. Like, Do you guys think that we are going to see AI podcasting anytime soon? And I guess before we dive into that discussion, can... Both of you introduce yourselves uh, to the audience. Like Jules, you can go first. Yeah, maybe we both do our intros and then we get into it. But 
Hey everyone, I'm Jules Turpak. Um, I'm a video first content creator mostly on TikTok, but I'm also really active on Twitter. I cover digital culture. So basically everything under like human computer interaction stuff. Um, and I also have an advice column in the Washington Post about life online. So if Danny, you want to <laughs> For sure. I'm Danny Miranda. I podcast mainly at the Danny Miranda podcast. Just launched a paid newsletter as well, which has been a lot of fun, but just enjoy covering technology. Uh, creators, entrepreneurship, and business, and I've had a lot of fun doing that over the past two years. Awesome! And since you guys have like last joined, both of you have actually started new projects. Um, Jules, since your first recording, you have that wonderful column that you were talking about, and Danny, mm-hmm. congratulations on the newsletter! So really cool Thanks. to see you guys uh, continue to iterate in the content space. So the first question I have, the big one, it was the first thing I Twitter DM'd for you guys. I think. Mm-hmm. Will we see AI podcasts come out and will people be listening to them? So obviously they're already starting to come out, but will these start to be like a normal thing people listen to in over 10 years or under 10 years? Big question. Danny, what are your thoughts first? I want to hear from the main <laughs> podcaster. Oh, well, I was going to say ladies first, but if you <laughs> insist, um, you know, it's funny. I think that the, all this type of stuff is exponential in nature. Right now, the podcast that we listen to with Joe Rogan and Steve Jobs, you could tell there were th- some things that were off about it, but it seemed like a, a conversation you really could listen to. What I think is that the technology is going to get so fast, so quick, so good that we're going to be sitting here in a year from now and being like, oh my God, I can't believe we heard Napoleon talk to <laughs> Trump, right? Like something yeah. crazy like that. And they're not obviously going to be in the room together, but. We have, if we have recorded audio from the people, it's going to be a crazy, crazy world. And also, another thing is there are presidents that have radio shows. I think all of this is going to happen very soon, maybe in like three years, is my prediction. Okay. Whoa. Three years. So you're bullish on this. Jules, um, you post a lot about AI. So I'm also interested in hearing your thoughts on You've been covering AI for actually a long time now, now that I think about it, because some of the first content that I saw of yours, which is probably about a year ago, covered the AI space. Um, Mm -hmm. So what about you? Over under 10 years? I don't know. Because there's with everything AI, even like what's kind of more... not Nothing's fully mainstream yet, but like within the entertainment realm, things that are more so utilizing AI, it doesn't seem that people are really indulging it in a casual way yet. It's more so Mm -hmm. like being utilized as a tool. So with this specifically, what I found most interesting... For example, I partner with Descript. So Overdub is their feature. And this whole thing about like utilizing AI voices isn't new to me. Like because Descript has that. You can have an overdub of your voice that's AI generated. And if you forget to say a few sentences or whatever, you can just type it out and have your voice say that. Mm -hmm. And of course there's consent there as well. What's interesting here is more so this new because because we're entering just a new realm of media and entertainment and the way to cap- capture people's attention is just different and a lot of people aren't accustomed to this new way of media and entertainment so what's interesting about podcast.ai is that you can just feed this system supposedly that's what they're saying a topic and choose the voices and they just go off on that topic it's not like Descript where people are writing in exactly what they want the ai voice to say it's like they're generating information from the internet and like data from the internet compacting that into a storyline and also on top of that the ai voices which is interesting in the way that like you know i think there's such a disconnect today between like the education system and how kids consume content online versus how they consume content in school because at the end of the day like the textbook is content that's like information you're consuming and so if there are more compelling ways that ai can help kids learn in the ways that they like like oh they like listening to joe rogan they like his voice whatever they could just like use like textbook information um with him like talking, if that's how like they are most compelled to learn information, like, then like do that. But so like pros right now to me, the three that stand out are like, yeah, uh, information being compelling in a new, the new way that media is evolving, like efficiency and output of people. Um, if like someone's a better writer or if like I'm like on a plane one day and I have an idea for a podcast, I can just type it out and have these voices do so. It's like, just like great for content creators. But then the cons come like, consent, um, Mm. profiting off of information, content, and likeliness, you know, that like isn't yours, Uh, just like post-truth society, easy manipulation, and then like purpose and grief. Because like Steve Jobs is is of course deceased. And 
it is a little wishy-washy there if this is like ethical to be yeah. doing so yeah like, is it respectful yeah i love that descript feature i think it's really interesting mm-hmm. again i saw that when you tweeted it i thought oh my gosh this is so interesting i am um, when I edit my own podcast, my own things, um, right now we have wonderful editors at This Week at Startups, but I don't have the bandwidth to do as detailed edits as they do. So Descript is a wonderful platform. And whenever I missay something, which happens a lot, you can go over and instead of like voicing over something, you can just use AI to completely do it. Um, I'm kind of surprised podcast AI hasn't already been done just because of GPT-3. Um, and how, not how long we've had it. We haven't had it that long, but we've had it for a while now. So I was like, okay, this is really cool, but why hasn't this happened yet? So I think that was like my first thought, but I never thought about from an education standpoint. Um, and when you brought up education, Jules, I thought of ASAP science, I think it's what it's called. And basically they break down like really difficult science, uh, topics or almost like hankering where you break down really difficult topics into a way that's easily digestible. AI would be so interesting if they could make a topic in the same exact, like, um, like use the exact same terminology that like Joe Rogan would use, not just like the cadence of his voice. Um, I think that would be like a really interesting, like next step. Um, so excited to see where it comes in the specific sectors. Yeah. It seems like all this tech stuff, like whether it's AR, VR, AI stuff, like it all sounds amazing when it comes to like education and training purposes, like almost like utopian when it comes to that stuff. Um, but when it comes to social aspects, that's where it gets a, definitely gray and a little more yeah. on the negative side. <laughs> yeah. One I thing that agree. the first thing that came to mind was when I heard this podcast was like, we need to spend more time recording conversations with people we love because if it's possible that there's a future where we can have conversations with people who aren't there based on recorded footage or recorded audio of them. Mm-hmm. You might want to have a conversation. What would my grandpa say about this? What would my great grandmother ah. say about this if they're not around anymore? Yeah. It's good to hear like these like positive thoughts, I guess, about AI. Cause I think a lot of times when it's talked about in the media, your first thought is to go to scary. You're like, Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, like this stuff can be used. Um, and you can think of a million and 10 different ways where it can be used just absolutely horrible. Um, obviously, like you said, like Steve Jobs passed away. Imagine this getting in the wrong hands of, you know, just right off of that, like first thing, using this for somebody that has passed away and not in the best sense. Like you can think of ways that that's not great. And now that you said that, Danny, it got me thinking of, you know, when people originally started doing vlogs and things like that, especially like the mommy vlogging era, people were like, okay, I'm doing these vlogs, making these videos. Um, so I can remember like, these days with my kids like it wasn't oh i'm gonna like make profit off of like ads on the internet it was i really enjoyed living in this certain stage of life like a bunch of new york city or la vloggers like i really like living in this city i'm gonna document me living in this city i'm gonna document my kids because these are important times um i can see podcasting like going to the early stages of vlogging in terms of popularity um and right now the problem with podcasting i think not only is it just really difficult to search, um, but there's so much podcast content. We don't know what to do with it. How do you think we can use AI in the future to make, to f- honestly find podcasts that I think are interesting and just sort through all of this stuff? Because I hate opening up my Spotify and getting podcasts recommended to me that I have zero interest in. Like, when will that change? And can I, how can AI change this? Yeah. Well, I was just on like my YouTube homepage the other day and, I I love listening to podcasts, but I'm like my whole YouTube homepage now is filled with podcasts and like and they're all of value. I'm like I want to listen to them, but they're all so long. I'm like I don't have enough time yeah. to listen to them. And so like what I try to do on Twitter and I like want AI to be like a bigger help there is like we always talk about how, you know, content curators are at the forefront right now that's going to continue for a while as too, but like this decade what's just as important is content curators and most podcasters have people who pull clips of course i know like danny i've seen like your videos on like twitter people have retweeted or something um of pulling clips but like these content curators who can like pull these clips and add more context to make it like compelling content so that people if they want the option to go and listen to the full podcast that's fine but reality is like we don't have all the time in the world to listen to every podcast and how can creators and curators benefit from like these clips together i'm um, in a more like complementary relationship um so it's not like these uh curators benefiting off of these creators content just solely but it's also helping the creators because it's like 
your content can be memeified and it can get more like obviously views and such such that way. So like, how can AI kind of pull again, the most compelling information? And that's what really interested me about podcast.ai. It's like, how like when someone gives the system a topic to talk about, how is like, the system um, deciding which information is valuable enough to be like said in the podcast. I'm oh. very interested to know the back yeah. that and like how um, that's vetted. Yeah. Like what information is worth making a TikTok over? I also have something to say on that and like making all the um, separate content that comes from a podcast that Danny, I'd love to hear your take on because like Jules mentioned, you have a awesome way of making a bunch of freaking clips you like your whole newsletter like a bunch of reasons people are looking at is because you talk about yeah i've been able to grow exponentially by pushing out these different forms of content all sourcing from my podcast at what point um do we stop calling these podcasts and we start talking about them in terms of like talk shows or it feels like the reason we had podcasts to start with and the reason they were so compelling is the low production value so we, you didn't need a lot. You need, you didn't need really high production. You didn't need a ton of things like you might have needed for a YouTube video to make a really good podcast. Whereas now, not only do you need more manpower, which maybe can be supplemented by AI, but it feels like you there's just a lot of other production pieces to it. Like, do you think in that ten year period we're still going to be calling these podcasts? Hmm. Uh, probably. I think so. Um, just because that's been how the name of the medium normally stays. Meaning like TV shows are still called TV shows, even though you could make the argument that they're Jimmy Fallon on YouTube is just a YouTube show, right? But we still call Jimmy Fallon a TV show. What I'm interested in is how AI can help me sort through the different clips that I have, right? So right now, how I create uh, probably 10 to 20, maybe even 30 or 40 clips per episode is I manually go into the episode at 2x speed, re-listen to everything, and try to find the moments that are interesting and compelling to people. When will that happen where I could just feed a system that episode and that system will be like, all right, the best moment is this to this time and it will clip it for me. That's got to be the next wave of AI technology in podcasting from my perspective. I love that point because even on YouTube now, it's like it has the wave of like when people are like what most replayed yeah. moments and everything like that. It's like, yeah, clip the ones that are most valuable, like specifically um, automatically through YouTube or whatever um, and just send those off easily, more easily. Right now, there's oh. so many different apps and everything yeah. that you need to do so. And like you have to hire other people. Yeah, and it's just YouTube like a lot. needs to listen. That is yeah. such a good idea. Manually do it from that. So uh, if anybody's ever tried to make a YouTube video, basically, you can go and you can see which parts people um, went back and listened to or timestamp like they've liked the most. If that could be cut already by YouTube and made into a separate feed called like whatever clips, what? That would make everybody's lifetime times easier. Oh, for sure. Like, such a good idea. Yeah, to Danny's points, like you want to, you want to send off what's most compelling to your audience. And podcasts are great in the way that's like, everything's so fast moving today especially on tiktok like there's not a, a millisecond wasted of information that's like what's more human about podcasts but also yeah. it's like you know we're still putting time into these platforms and we want to be getting at the utmost value that we can just like so and podcasts are typically more valuable than like super short form content so yeah like just pulling out the downtime moments and like what is most compelling from this podcast let me know so i can move on with my day and like utilize it like what i learned in those in real life as well so we're not just like stuck watching two-hour podcast i think i watched a podcast i didn't watch it i was about to the other day it was like five hours i was like no this is inhumane i should not sit here for five hours and watch a podcast it's like so messed up so yeah and at that point you're like sitting at somebody's like sleepover party like that that's the length of that conversation like you don't that's just like so much content to consume like we really are becoming these like how many people make content versus how many people are consuming it and how much content is being consumed is crazy. And it would be nice to make sure that content that is being consumed is at least of value. Um, I don't know personally, it, that it's really difficult for me to see like under 10 years and over 10 years because I do think that AI and podcasting is going to become way more mainstream. We're already seeing great platforms like Descript, which is really affordable. I think I pay like $15 a month for it. And it has an AI tool. Like, that's nuts. In 10 years, obviously, we're going to be having like 
things that we're paying for now are probably going to be free on the internet, just like how there's like a million and 10 different free Photoshop downloads now that work just as great as Photoshop. And more skeptical on are people going to want to listen to ideas from robots or are they going to want to listen to ideas from people like uh, as humans do we value just the content or do we value the person making the content um and that's just a question that I- i'd hope it's like, they value the people that are making the content but i don't know that makes me a little a little uneasy well it's weird right because the people who if we're in the situation of listening to Steve Jobs and he's not around anymore, he did create the content that it was just a machine that was fed into that. And so now we can hear him in a different context. But it's it's interesting because it's it's like, I think there's going to be a new genre. Right now we have education podcasts and we have society and culture podcasts. I think in three years or five years, there'll be an AI generated podcast where you'll, you'll be able to hear all these incredible people and anyone really who's recorded audio in that feed, in that section of the podcast app. Mm. That's my personal prediction. Okay. I like that. I also, I, I just worry about like the delusion it can cause too. Cause like, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this. If like your friend or something did something messed up, like you had a dream and like, mm-hmm. the, like someone, you know, did something messed up in your dream and you see them the next day and like, they actually do this in real life, but like, I have some animosity towards you because you did yeah. something in your dream. Um, it's like, like, oh no, my boyfriend cheated on me in my dreams. Yeah. Like, you're pissed off at the next, like, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's like, like, again, just like with how things run on the internet, the, the amount of people who don't look into the context of things and are just oh. going to take it at face value. Like, obviously, these conversations yeah. have already been had about AI. Um, it's just like weighing the net positive versus negatives. It's hard. Again, I, I look at AI as like amazing with education and training with the social element. There's it's a lot of mess. And I wonder if it's a net negative situation, but it's also like we're coming towards this stuff. So right now we need yeah. to think of like the solutions and like the cultural barriers that we need to put in place um, so that everyone's kind of like on the same page and it's not such delusion between all of it. It uh, it also gets me thinking like even after we saw the Anthony Bourdain movie using an AI version of him. Um, people still went and watched it because they have a lot of like admiration for Anthony Bourdain. And honestly, when I first listened to it, I didn't know it was AI. I just clicked into it because um, it, it was a new movie coming out. I don't know. There's like books everywhere. I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. Um, in fact, I'm not sure if it was announced that when I was watching that trailer, if we already knew it was AI. It might have been right before. I did not know. Like I couldn't tell because I think... Um, I was so engaged in the visuals that I wasn't paying that much attention to the audio. Obviously with podcasts, you're not looking at anything else. So you're a little bit more engaged. So technology wise, I could totally see people moving into, um, moving into this like fairly quickly. Imagine like if you could hear Steve jobs go through and read all those emails, he sent these like beautifully scripted emails to himself. Um, like kind of, there's one that's really great. It's about, I believe he's reminding himself to um, just show gratitude and it goes along the lines of like, I didn't create the clothes on my back. Other people made these and it just really a really great piece of writing. And I'm not sure if he wrote it, but I know it was something that showed up in his emails to himself. Like how cool would that be to have like those almost like affirmations like read to you by Steve Jobs AI. Like I think that it is a, uh, really soon and like coming around the corner like there's going to be a youtube channel run by some faceless nameless company that is like steve jobs affirmations and it's those emails you know what i mean like those are those are coming soon those are coming soon oh yeah like probably yeah early 2023 you guys know those reddit threads that are read by like bots Mm -hmm. that you can like listen to on youtube oh danny you're not in the nerdy spectrum you need to get deeper, deeper into YouTube. So if you want, <laughs> don't want to read a YouTube or a Twitter, excuse me, a thread on Reddit, there's like bots that read them. And I, w- I would like listen to them on walks and like high school and like listen to threads. So um, maybe like voices like that are going to change. I don't know. Well, aren't those, those are crazy popular on TikTok. So, like there are people I know who they're becoming. Pop- yeah. Yeah. Their entire for you pages are like these Reddit threads that Love. are like read aloud and that, that have like, something cr- like a video game going on in the background yeah. of course like so much multimedia going on yeah. yeah to your point it's just like 
yeah, I think the Steve Jobs um, example you said about something he's written, that's like beautiful, like kind of seems like a no brainer, but definitely when it's t- like you can just put words in their mouth, that's when yeah. it's weird. My prediction is I think we won't have people reading audible books in a few years. I think it's going to be good enough that we can get AI. And then you can choose your reader like we have with platforms like Speechify, who's a screen reader that mm. um, it does sound pretty human. But I think we're going to be able to make it so good that Barack Obama can read any audiobook you want. Um, he, I believe Barack Obama, um, I know his wife read her audiobook, but that would be like, sick if you could find like one actor, actress you really like, or I don't know, voice actor. And have them in Audible. I think that's like a career that could slowly fade away. Oh, for sure. I can't believe people would sit there and record their entire books, like reading them out loud. Yeah. I was listening to Ryan Holiday, who does like The Obstacles of the Way and like some awesome marketing books. And he reads like every single one. I was like, huh, where? Where's this time coming from? Like, that's awesome. But oh my gosh, like, yo, that's nuts. And he wrote it. My question for you two is, would you sell the rights to your voice to be utilized by other Mm. people? Oh, that's That's hard. That's a great question. (laughs) Yeah, his voice IP. Mm -hmm. I think, well, Rogan's going to have to answer that question soon since he was the first one, right? Oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. He'll he'll probably sue Podcast AI or he probably doesn't (sighs) care to sue them, but someone would, right? It's fascinating. It's Mm. like, what's a voice worth? Yeah. Well, if a lot of people like that voice, it's worth a lot of money. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I like I would it. have to approve. Like, I would want to see the like scripts that come through and like approve them. Yeah, but I don't know how that's like. It's just uh, slippery slope. It's so weird because um, there's like this CGI influencer called Little Michaela that I'm kind of obsessed with. Right? She's like not real, but she looks pretty real. And um, and obviously she has IP because she has creators behind her. And so I feel like I could think of it from like a little Michaela point of view where say they take a bunch of voices, just mash them up and be like, okay, this person of this age would probably sound like this. I can totally see them using that as a, say like a marketing tactic, but like seeing like a CGI person hosting like a documentary about AI um, and then them selling like her IP for stuff like that would be really interesting. But for my own, oh man. Well, I, I feel like someone, uh, it was either tick. I don't think it was Siri. I think it was like the original TikTok voice utilized oh gosh, their yes. audio. Like woman. they didn't get the right. Yeah, they didn't yeah. have the rights to her voice, and so she like I don't. I, totally I don't want to say misinformation if she like sued them or something. But there was a whole situation yeah, where they had to change the voice. Yeah, because of that. So who knows, guys? We'll see. <laughs> it would. I. I would need like some crazy money, like more than Caller Daddy was bought for Spotify. <laughs> like I would need like life changing money because I feel like my voice is kind of attached to at this point, at least in my early career, a part of my career. Like mm-hmm. without my voice, I would, wouldn't be making like money, at least a portion of it. Uh, so I don't know if I'd sell it. How about you, Danny? Everyone's got a price, right? You could throw <laughs> me a billion and you can get the voice. Right? I'm like, huh. Not less than a billion? If I said a million... Nah, that you can not have my voice for a million. For, well, for okay. what? For me to say anything? For for you oh. just have free reign to use it to say that things for, that I don't for believe? six months. Yes. Free reign to use <laughs> <laughs> This question is so <laughs> spicy. <laughs> well, this question is is uh, core to like who we are as human beings, right? Like, Yeah. Can somebody we... literally twist your words? Exactly. Yeah. And I think <gasps> that's... Dun, dun, dun. some some of the most powerful things we have is our own opinions and our own perspectives. Mm. Yeah. I don't do know if I would sell for anything, honestly. <laughs> do you guys remember and speaking of Barack Obama? I don't know why he's coming up, up a lot in this episode. Like, sorry if he's listening, but um, actually no, like let me know if you're listening. That'd be kind of cool. But there's this like video compilation where he doesn't sing call me maybe, but people like cut up a bunch of his voice stuff. Mm, so like yeah. call me maybe like assume he didn't try to like get that off the internet or anything like that. But those like voice clippings and things, um, like it's already so easy, uh, even without AI to like mess up what somebody's trying to say. Like you always see in the movies, like kids taking like voice recordings from phones and stuff like that to try to make it mm-hmm. sound like, you know, they can do something that they're not supposed to. That's definitely coming. That's coming so quick. We'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it, well, it's fascinating because it's like AI isn't AI. 
when something becomes so good that it becomes just technology that we use, like, for example, AirPods are a version of AI. The Alexa device in someone's house is AI. Like, it's all AI, but when it becomes so good that it's part of our everyday life, we no longer call it AI. TikTok algorithm, that's just AI. So, yeah, it's interesting how we think of it as like an other AI, but like in the future, it will probably just be a technology that we often use and is part of our everyday life. It's funny you say that. We actually had a guest on this week at Startups that um, when he was asked about Web3, um, they were like, how do you feel about Web3? I believe it was like in terms of if you would invest in it, I think is the conversation that they were having. And basically he was like, oh, Web3, like you just have to think of it as like an extension of the internet. Like Web3 is just the internet. It's just another part of the internet. And it's what's going to do well in this sector is really, really hard to figure out. Just like it's really, really hard to figure out um, what's going to do well in any new sector. So like when the internet, as we know today, was first coming around, there was a bunch of stuff on that platform that didn't kick off and like wasn't great. And then I'm sure a bunch of people invested it. And now we're having the same issue with Web3 where not all of Web3 is one giant grift. It's just an extension of the internet that we're trying to figure out in a very painful way through trial and error. And um, I wonder if AI, like you said, like this is just technology. Like when are we going to stop calling it AI? And this is just going to be, you know, another tool in our toolbox. Yeah, just the evolution of it all. Yeah, not like AI, like, I don't know, AI with like a a crown on its head. It it does feel like people are really treating that term um, as something to look up to. But thank you guys so much for coming on this segment. It's an emergency segment, it feels like. Um, we're hop- it's kind of nice because you guys already have mics and setups. Um, where can everybody find you guys? At Jules Turpak on TikTok and Twitter. Cool. What about you, Danny? At Hey Danny Miranda on Twitter is the best place and dannymiranda.substack.com. Amazing. For the newsletter. Ah, can't wait can't wait awesome thanks guys i'm definitely gonna have to have you on again soon when i uh, see another update in tech and i'm like oh like when is this gonna have podcasting thanks rachel thanks for having us really appreciate it